Hey there, Boils and Goals. It's October. We got a hot, we got a pumpkin scented candle in the back. We are full swing ahead. You might remember <laughs> yes. that we kicked off. We, we talked about how we were going to do our Not Bravo's Hollow Weekly's Top 100 Scariest Horror Movie Moments. How did you just say that like that with no practice? <laughs> because we've been trying. It was to, like the Olympics. Because we've been trying to do this series for like two years, <laughs> and like we're finally doing. Like this is Weird. it. This we're is doing. It. It. We have the list. It has arrived. We have everything. And and it was tears because we had to get rid of some. Actually, you know what? I think we got a good list. I I don't feel sad for anything that didn't make the cut. No, I actually. This is a you, tight right. list. You're right. It was really fun looking down these names and thinking about like the journey that was about to happen because there's a lot of unexpected and expected stuff and uh, you know quite a few surprises. Exactly. Okay. So so the old school listeners they'll know exactly what we're talking about and how they probably listened to the teaser two years ago and they've been waiting for it. For <laughs> those of you who for everyone who's yes. listening, we are obsessed with back in the day Bravo had the top 100 scariest movie moments. Yes. And it was such a good countdown. I would watch it every year. I remember I have I have like three big memories of like flipping burgers and running back in to see what it is and going about flipping back in yeah. and then and going back and forth. And it would always come up on around this time of year mm-hmm. and it was an amazing a collection of people talking oh my God. it was just it was the most amazing Rob assortment Zombie, Stan of people Winston, right carl reiner stephen king like joe dante <clears throat> the chorus twins there was like a really gilbert always, godfrey th- there was that one goth <laughs> dude with like long hair like black lipstick i was like i, I think it was like a makeup artist but like he was like i like i like listening to everyone talk <laughs> yeah oh was, uh uh club uh, was it broken lizards the guy who did club dread and super troopers yep, yep. and it Those was guys it there. was so genuine and the way it was edited was so good but you you got like the scary movie and then the, the the hype between the the brackets of the countdown when it would be like when they would go from like the first 10 to the next 10 like the fade music and the graphics yeah, all dunk, dunk, oh. welcome to bravo top 100 there would always be some cheesy dialogue lurking in the shadows it, was, it just got me in the mood for fall and for halloween and that season i do i remember that so much i remember they got cky's guitarist darren i think it was darren miller to go talk about sleepaway camp because like that's what the band was after mm-hmm. and they spelled his name wrong he was like that's okay <laughs> <laughs> but anyway we are trying to uh, to duplicate reboot the spiritual that. successor that's right because and part of the reason why we waited so long to do is we were just we racked our brains how are we going to do it because bravo they had licensings to the clips they had you know hundreds yes. of people to interview we're like we're just two fucking guys who love horror movies and this was a video presentation and this is a lot of audio so yeah there were a lot of the things to think through an obstacle. And then we were like, you know what? We're just going to go for it and throw ourselves in the season because it's such a problematic season. You got to do what you know is going to make you happy. So we're, and this is going to make me happy. Like, <laughs> it's like, we got like one Halloween thing event planned, but yep. like, it's like, it's the haunted hayride, which we're trying again this year yep. because they have like a safe, socially distanced Halloween hot. And it's like the only one we feel safe doing. Yep. So it's between that carving a lot of pumpkins <laughs> and watching horror movies. This is it. Right. This is that. Yeah, this is, but this is going to be a, and so okay, so, so the way it's gonna work out, yes. we're gonna we're gonna do five minutes for pretty much each move, each, each moment, each moment, because right. it was it was a few minutes in Bravo, but since it's a podcast, we're chatty Cathy's, so we can go on and on, <laughs> but not long. Well, enough. we got to describe. They could show in the background while they were talking. We have to do it all manually. Yeah, we so got to use our mouth. We expanded a little time here, so, but uh, but and I le- actually I remember. 
as the years went by and I rewatched that countdown, because I probably rewatched it like four years in a row. I don't know how many times they aired it, but or, or, or if I just record or whatever, but like the, the, I remember that there were years where it was like a fine wine, right? Where the, my taste for that list, I liked the, the top quartile. Of it, oh my gosh. Right. Like yes. the 100 to 75. Cause it was sort of the most random weird. You knew when you got to the top 10, you were just basically deciding. Right. And you were like, you, but at the top one, they would be like, and now 97, it's alive. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> right. It was okay. It was and, and awesome. We always, I, we always had a fascination with their pick of Pacific Heights. Yeah. I just think that's the coolest. Yeah. That was a out really... of everything on there. That's the coolest fucking pick. Yeah. That was like their, the, that was their version of Joe Bob like doing the last drive in and picking Heathers. They were like, yes. all of a sudden you're like, what am we I have, We have a Pacific Heights-esque pick. I forget what we it do. is because we, I mean, I'm, I'm only looking at our top 10. We're going to do some yeah. 10 chunk episodes yep. for everyone. Yep. And they're probably going to come at you a little more frequently because we're really excited about this. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, and we got to finish by the end of the month, theoretically. So hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoy this list and this is great. And uh, comment... Give us a rating. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop that in now because once we get started, I'm gonna, gonna look it back. Give us a review. If, give us a review if you loved the Bravo countdown and what your favorite pick was. Everyone always has their favorite pick. Yeah. And oh, I, before we recorded, we were like, we have to record this one. The one movie I still never watched. I don't remember what it was. And maybe describing the scene for you will help. Uh, it's like this woman. She's in this house, and like this body just walks past her and goes to the corner, and then she walks up to it and points a flashlight, and this guy spins around. And it's scary as shit. That sounds so familiar, but I can't place it right now. I'm but sure if, there's someone's listening to this right now. Someone, like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? If you know what it is, comment, yeah. and then I can they're like, like, "Oh, it's waiting till dark." And like, like, no, but that's <laughs> another pick. <I'm> like, <laughs> all right, let's go. All right. Yes. All right. So coming in at number one hundred on our not dun, Bravo. Dun, Bravo. Dun, <laughs> so let me give you a hint. Like before I talk about this, how about turning around, bright eyes? This this pick is going to be a total eclipse of your mind. The strangers pray at night. So the weird thing about this is it's a, a sequel to The Strangers, which is what, 2008? 2008. 2008. Um, legendary movie. And I really honestly felt like The Strangers might have been overrated a little bit from how much I heard about it from horror fans to how I felt about like right, Exactly. And then now comes a sequel, which I really like as much as the original. But now this has become the invisible horror franchise that no one knows exists. No one's ever seen. No one we ever have people about. at our Facebook group who worked on the movie. Right? It's unbelievable. It's it's really unreal how quickly this came and went and vanished from the consciousness. I do. Of, I, you know, I and, and to be honest with you, like we're doing like moments from each of these movies. Yep. I still have not seen the movie. Right. I've seen the clip in question, and it's convinced me to now watch the movie. Yeah, no, the movie is excellent. I mean, I think it's the the problem is 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 that everyone felt like. They, they were nailing this movie for some cliches, mm -hmm. not realizing that the first movie, that's the problem with the first movie as well. Somehow the first movie just hit it better from them, but but it's it's the exact same problem. This concept has that problem, but if you can't, if you're not holding it against the first one, you can't hold it against here. So the moment I'm picking is the pool scene, right? And and the the just the reason I'm picking this, you actually have some amazing reasons that you just got out of context. Yeah, you were like, do you have enough to talk about this? I was like, yeah, <laughs> a, a lot happened. So I actually want to throw to you and hear what you said. But the reason I'm picking it is there's this delicious kind of emotional journey you take where it starts with this crazy jump scare of this character running hell-mell from the background. And then all of a sudden, a twist you don't see happening, but in the other way, where the hero pulls off something, 
and then there he he does some killing and then the actual killer like the iconic one from the strangers arrives full confidence and just dismantles this poor kid and it's set to the most amazing lights and like atmosphere give me yeah. old dexter vibes yeah totally but it reminds me of what i keep saying over and over again like this is what american hammer would look like hammer has fogs and castles yeah. and america has cd pools at hotel strips like mm-hmm. it's it's so america right so like it's got all that and then the amazing use of the music and the camera going in out of the water fucking love that's what the, well first off the 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 way this scares you is has a very direct correlation to like art number two, <laughs> which is really crazy. That is really, and weird. that'll make sense in due time. Yes. Um. The 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 act the actual action of swinging at people and the violence feels really good in this movie. There's not a lot of cheap cutaways. Like if I swing at you, it'll be a wide, and then they'll cut into a close up, and then the knife yeah. comes close to your face. None of that bullshit. It's like here's a wide, and people are fighting. Yeah. Like it feels like you're watching a YouTube fight. <laughs> like it's so, it's such, it's a, so great, such dirty. a great point. It's so true. It's so dirty. And I'm always a sucker. Like you know, the, uh, you know, as an editor, like there's certain times when like when you make a cut, like you go back, you play it, and it feels good. And I imagine that's what the sound editors did on this film. I love when so a movie true. when they're like they're up above water and like everything sounds fine and then it goes under and then all of a sudden it sounds real clear like that and then they come back out of water and yeah. then the woman <laughs> yeah i love it. and the fact that it's doing it to total eclipse of the heart yeah and and there was a moment it's totally eclipse of the heart right yeah, yeah there's a moment watching this with you because we watched the clip together and the scene together and watching it with you was funny because you were tense where the violence was happening. And when the jump scare happened, you were tense. You actually missed the jump scare, which is one of the scariest things is when the girl opens her eyes when she's on the ground. But, but you, I mean, I could see it was getting to you. But then when the camera was above the pool and it was just dead on, on the, the like big Lebowski, you know, <laughs> fake lights that they have in the bowling alley that looks just like the big Lebowski bowling alley. And then the camera slowly tracked down and you realized it was going in the water. You laughed because it was funny. Like, it was like a visual joke, right? And it was in the middle of really tense, bloody action. So I just, I love that they got all that in there. You get a laugh after gallons of blood. That's <laughs> and that's how yeah. this list should start. And and the way the the kid who ultimately who actually doesn't die in this scene amazingly, but the way that he's left behind is the worst because he's dying he's from alive. loss of blood and drowning. Yeah, that, while that, listening to Total Eclipse of the Heart, that, that makes, has to be the worst way to go of I, all time. I felt a little sick. <laughs> I felt a little sick. Transition, transition goes here. Coming in at 99. I, you know what? We got to look at see like what what was 99 on Bravo's list and just <laughs> yeah, and like match thing to thing and see across. Our 99 is probably gonna look a lot different. <laughs> yes. Coming in with 2019's scary stories to tell in the dark. You, it's such a recent movie to make this list. Like this movie wouldn't have been on there when we first thought of this project. No, because we we thought of that of like 2017 or something like that on a cruise ship. Like we were we were jazzed that it was going to be on the, on the list. And now your scary stories. But now we have scary stories to tell the dark. If you haven't seen it, it's basically if you grew up reading the books and the movie, all those stories are in this weird book in like the 1970s. It's a period piece. Like yeah. I forgot it was a period piece. Yeah, they sleepy hollowed it. Yeah, during the draft. Like you see Nixon, like. On screen. Feels so old timey. Yeah, it feels it feels crazy. Um all the stories that we knew growing up reading are unleashed on this town and each of these kids kinda get their own story thrown out of and it's fucking horrifying. Well, so a lot of people who are listening right now have seen the movie and or read the books both and they're wondering 
what moment is Nick going to pick? Because that's what's fun about this movie is if you know the movie all, you're doing a roulette in your head right yeah, now. Yeah, you're, you're like, like, is it Harold? Is it going <laughs> to be the, the, the Red Room? Which I think is great about this pick. And to no one's surprise, well, to, to, to a few, but not to the theater we saw it with, <laughs> surprise, that's true. the Jangly Man. Yeah, that really impacted the theater. That, I've never heard so many yips and screams. <laughs> <laughs> like in the, in the theater before, um, and, and so if you haven't seen it, uh, the kids are the kid. And it's the perfect horror movie setup. The kids are in the jail cell, and the cop is being a doofus, and they hear a monster in the chimney. And what monster comes out? A man in several pieces. <laughs> it made me want to do uh, just make a list of jail cell scenes in horror movies. Like I was thinking nightmare. about Jason Lives and Nightmare. Like it just it's it comes up so frequently. And sometimes it's the fancy Silence of the Lambs version and sometimes it's the really dirty like you know this version. <laughs> yeah. Well, also this monster is actually terrifying because it's yes. it's because one he's unsettling looking. He kind of reminds me of uh, who's the monster in Beowulf who screams and shrieks at everyone. Grendel. Grendel. It, it it feels like a mixture of him with a combination of uh What's that X-Files episode where the guy could squeeze through everything? Oh, yeah. One of the very first, if not the first. I think it might be the first pilot. monster of the week. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's like him with that chasing yeah. teenagers all while he's screaming. Un, I think he was yelling coward or something like that. And yeah. then and then gibberish. Yep. And on top of that, he has like superhuman strength and speed. Yeah. His voice is terrifying. And the way he can disassemble and reassemble himself just sucks, honestly. And then, right. And I think one of the things that's really striking to me about this scene is so we saw this in the theater and then I rewatched it for this podcast and I could not believe I wanted to take out a clock. You have a timer for this episode. I want to pull out a clock on this idiot police officer who just stands there in front of the cell he, for the entire scene. They yell at him like this this cop stands there for what must be a record time. They they literally take th- I don't I don't know if I've ever seen this in a horror movie before, but they take like three argument passes at him. It's like a debate class. They're trying different tactics. Like, you're in danger. No, you got to let us out. It's not safe, fair to leave us here. No, I mean, this animal's coming and he's going to be jangly. And like, they, they've got like a time to just really work out on, and he's just standing there. There's a, there's a lot of time. Also, the other thing is, <laughs> it's, it's one of the only movies I think we have in here where the monsters are unleashed by books. Yeah, it's, our, it's probably our most literary <laughs> PG thirteen middle school. I'm sold just for middle that. school uh, school fight. <laughs> the other reason I wanted to put this on here uh, is one. I think it's it might be the only PG thirteen movie we have on that's here. That's why it belongs up at the at the top because you know tip. some people would complain, and I get that. That's a very fair thing. Sure. But also, this is a movie where, like what we said at the beginning, there's four or five scenes that we could have went with. That are right. just as scary. Right. That scene with the creepy thing in the hallways that like start converging on each other. And yeah, and then Harold, everyone even though Harold was not as Harold scary. was not as scary as it should have been. Right. But I, I do think that this movie deserves a lot of credit for pulling being being able to to pull its weight with a PG thirteen rating. I actually liked the whole weirdo Nixon era connection. I did they too. Were doing. It was it. It, it, I couldn't stop thinking about it when I left. I was like, what the hell was that? Yeah, like kids are getting drafted. <laughs> like it, movie. Was, it was a really bizarre, but I respect it because it was so out of left field. I was like, all right, I'm, I, I respect that. And the, also the writing was, I thought the writing was really well done. And it was the type of movie where like when they set up a sequel, I was like, oh, thank God, there's more of this. Yep. Whereas usually when horror movies leave off on a sequel, you roll your eyes like, oh, I, like can't, I can't believe this. <laughs> right. 
But no. Plus, it's you said it when you say Grendel. It's it's like that old deep mythological kind of horror. Like that's why that's why those that the Herald and all those archetypes from this book are so strong and stick with so many people. And so many people have loved the books and the covers of the books. And it's like that old. It's like the thing Edgar Allan Poe would write. It's that old mythology feel. Transition. <laughs> all right. Now coming in at ninety eight on the list is. Another recent movie, uh, which surprises me because we had quite a span of time to work with. We were going from what, 2008 or something like that? But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, so this movie is 2018's Cam from Netflix. Um, the setup for this movie is pretty simple. It's like a, an unfriended or unfriended. No, it's like not unfriended dark web. It's like an unfriended version of uh, someone who is a cam girl or cam lifestyle, right? So, like. Which now would be an OnlyFans. How quickly that's right, right. Everything's changing. But what's amazing about so first of all, there's a great trivia fact about this movie before I get into the moment, which is, which I really respect. Which is this is the only horror movie I can find where they sh the director and the screenwriter share an equal joint opening credit. So they gave them the same line. No way. Which you never see, but they did it on purpose because they're like we want people to value the writer as much as the director. And the writer was a cam. She went through this, lived through, through a lot. Of How sex, can you not love this movie? The demonic part, right? So I just like that move. I think that's a really cool move on their part. The moment I'm picking is the ending because there's a lot of emotional investment that you get going through this movie. It's a really, really well done movie, um, and pretty scary in parts. But like the end is unsettling and scary. But it's the determination of the character. One of the things I I loved about Bravo's list was in these little short capsules of movies I didn't see, like Pacific Heights. Mm -hmm. In the scene, I got how intense Michael Keaton was. I got how terrified like the people in the movie that were fighting him were. Like you, it, That all came across. In this movie, at the end, just the absolute determination of this character to beat the demon, to beat the monsters. But she has no tools. She's, she has no exorcist to reach out to. She has no Vatican to call in. She's got his Ikea in. table. She's got her mom is, is basically pointless until the end. Right. She's got, she's, she's got to duplicate the effect of, in an exorcist movie, of calling in the exorcist, calling in the troops, getting a hold of the Gary Oldman or whatever you're going to do. <laughs> she's got to do it all herself. And I've never really seen that play out this way before. But mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think it's true to what her character represents how hard her life is or her path is and also that she pulls it off right in this amazing way which i think of as like anti-flare because she does it with flair but whoa so she just basically invents this game with this demon where she goes you have to imitate me monkey see monkey do and whoever does it better the people watching the broadcast are going to vote on it and then she proceeds to beat the crap out of herself. Like it'd be in, like you and me get on Twitch and be like, "Let's just bare knuckle box." Right, right. Yeah, but she's doing it to herself and in a really horrible way. But you can see her gather herself to do it, and then you see that little spark of determination. Like I know how bad this is going to hurt, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it really reminds me. There's an amazing scene in Casino Royale, the first James Bond, Daniel Craig James Bond where he's getting tortured by Mads Mikkelsen and the power dynamic of that scene completely switches over. Mm -hmm. Even though he's the one tied to a chair and he's the one getting beat the crap, uh, beat the crap beat out of him, you realize he's won this exchange. He's broken Mads. Mads is like, you're not going to tell me what I want to know, are you? And he's like, no. <laughs> and you can tell he's in the power position. And she goes 
up against the demon she should lose to and then flips herself into the power position, but in a really painful way, which is really cool. She kind of felt like Batman, dude. Like, <laughs> like in, in one of the Arkham games, like, the Mad Hatter is, like, a side villain, and it, like, it just kind of felt like she was outsmarting, like, Batman outsmarting the Mad totally. Hatter or the That's Riddler. T- totally. And I was like, this chick's badass, <laughs> man. <laughs> totally. I really like it. Uh, watching it, I, the only thing I kept thinking is, this is a crunchy scene. <laughs> That's those, true. those. Every time she slams her face on the table, Ugh. like my no, like I wrinkle yeah. my nose, and like you know, you know, how, like when you hit your nose, like your eyes water up. Like mm-hmm. I felt like my eyes wanting to water up, but they're like you weren't hit. Like you're just watching, right? Watching her get hit. And keep in mind, you're watching two characters because you're watching the demon pretend to hurt herself. So you're watching real pain and simulated pain, which is just a masterclass in acting. If she was bat, like if it turned out that, like this was like a Batgirl movie, I'd be like, this makes sense. Like <laughs> they just felt so Batman-y. I yeah. can't, I can't explain. It was also shot really well. I love yeah. her being in the mirror with the 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 television or the monitor behind her. It kind of reminded me of like Enter the Dragon, like when Bruce yeah. Lee's in the thing. <laughs> it does have that vibe. because well, like it's like that kind of showdown. Like it just it had that cool. Plus, this had internet comments. How great would every like Bruce Lee movie if you could just have internet <laughs> comments real time in the your movie. emojis just like yellow and black nunchucks. <laughs> shit like that it's amazing oh and also like while that scene's happening and she's completely injuring her face like the comments are just like great vfx it's just like you do it to the death it's a a demon you have no idea no it's 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 a great movie and i feel like it's randomly um i felt i feel like just a and it like netflix I feel like they released horror movies like a canon. Like they just shot out a shit ton all at once. And yeah. all of a sudden Netflix had like horror movies again. Yeah. I felt like this was like one of the first ones to kick it off, but like had a good yeah. like reception to it. Yeah. And it, it was sitting at a really good time. Like when the babysitter and all that stuff comes out, you expect fun horror from Netflix, but like seriously effed up dark horror that works. It, Cause I also expect pretentious horror from Netflix, like Velvet mm-hmm. Buzzsaw, whatever, but to get it this sweet spot where it's not pretentious, but smart. And right. Like, so good. the only, other, and then to end this, the only other movie I know where the writer and director worked hand in hand so well. And the movie was amazing was an arrival. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so working with your writers, <laughs> you got produces you greatness. Produces masterpieces. Transition. <laughs> All right, coming in at hot 97, 97.8 <laughs> TUE or whatever. That's perfect for this movie. Um, <laughs> number 97, Zombieland. Yes. Which what year is Zombieland? Zombieland is two. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Never mind. Go, go, go. go. <laughs> hey, no, we can just restart for the. Oh, no, we have to restart. Who gives no, a we, shit? Yeah, who gives a shit? Go. Who gives a shit? Zombieland is two thousand. You know what? I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. Zombieland is two thousand. No, two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. I'm gonna guess two thousand ten. You're guessing two thousand ten. Was it around I'm, the same time as Social Network? I'm guessing two thousand nine. It's two thousand nine. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. The year I graduated high school. So every time I see that thing on Twitter, put a gif of the movie that was in theaters when you graduate high <laughs> school, I'll go to yeah. Zombieland. You gotta go to Zombieland. All right, beautiful. Okay, and the scene I'm gonna go with is not the opening scene, which is what I thought it was. It's the the girlfriend, or the girl, not the girlfriend, the girl in the dorm room with Jesse Eisenberg in the beginning, yes. which is actually Amber Heard. Yes. So and why Amber. did you pick this scene? You're, I know you have a reason. It, it wasn't the Amber Heard stuff. No. But, okay. No. There's another story. Um, in a lot of zombie movies, whenever there's a big attack or something like that, there's there's very few movies where like the attacks feel very personal and very claustrophobic, and like you can really put yourself in the shoes and re- get that feeling of you jumping over the couch or you know slamming the fridge door open to try to hit. Like you you know this world, and being able just to throw in a flesh hungry <laughs> Amber Heard. <laughs> 
Well, like, yeah, but you see, here's the thing. I think that this is the ghost of Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead that's on, what, yeah. on our list. Yeah. I don't think this is Zabiland on our list. I think another movie well, that's what we were talking ghost about. forced its way onto the list because you love the opening of Dawn of the Dead so much. And, I, and this <laughs> felt so similar to that, but comedied, <laughs> right? And, and I think... Because I think we did like 2007 or 2008 as a cutoff. And so we just miss. You couldn't put Dawn of the Dead We couldn't put Dawn of the Dead on there. did. So, so yeah. So I'm taking that spirit of Dawn of the Dead <laughs> yes. and putting it in here. Because yes. honest to God, if you took that scene where Jesse Eisenberg's running around, or Columbus, which is easy to remember, yes. uh, was running around the program, and you interspliced it with like, you Sarah know. Poly from, yeah, yeah, for sure. If you, just, if you just went scene, scene, cross, 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 yeah. it, it could take place at the same goddamn yeah. house. I mean, they're obviously referencing each other somehow. They must have seen each other. Zombieland must have seen it. Or else they were written by, like, the same guy. The scene has the same structure. <laughs> it's, got the, it's got the same claustrophobia. It's got the same crazy, like, in a room fight with normal objects. It's, it's Jesse Eisenberg takes way longer to realize that there's a zombie attack going well, on. Uh, uh, he basically does, like, 15 I'm apologies. Sorry, okay? <laughs> Which is funny. But you know what makes this movie even better is I see a lot of articles now about how the social networks, you know, been yeah. in theaters for 10 years. So rewatching this scene and having just rewatched the social network, I get to watch this as Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> getting chased around. So it kind of makes it seem like a that little better. That makes it scarier. That's really good. Though if it was him, the other way, he'd be chasing her because he's a robot. <laughs> uh, uh, but also, I forgot how good just that, that cast is. Like Jesse Eisenberg, I feel like with the social network's great. I think he kind of got the shaft with um, uh, Lex Luthor. Yeah. But yeah. Zombieland's so good all, yeah. all around. The cast is great. That scene, I, I forgot about the visual where he takes the shower curtain and like he tries to stop her. And it kind of, when her face is stretching through, it kind of reminded me of like a visual from like Prometheus. Yes. Well, people, people um, forget. We become ungrateful. We forget how, how... So this was really good for its time. Obviously... It got a little played out or overplay or like whatever. But the the thing is that when you go back, you think about being told that Zombieland was coming out or that it was going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. The odds of it failing were high, <laughs> right? You shouldn't be able to do a movie and have actual scenes that are scary or intense or have energy in them and have the comedy part back then. Now... We get them all the time. Like, for some mm -hmm. reason, they became easier to make. Like, I don't know why how creators got better at this over time. But, like, in the old days, <laughs> 2009. <laughs> back then. Back, horror comedies didn't weren't as polished as Tucker and Dale, whatever. They mainly failed. Like, like The Dead Don't Die or whatever the hell that movie was. Well, you know what? I also put Zombieland in this weird, like, cluster of movies. And in terms of, like, it's got, like, this, like, kind of crazy comic booky tone. I put it in the same category as Kick-Ass. Mm -hmm. And Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And totally. Because like, like, there's like weird VFX tech stuff and just the vibe and the energy of it mixed in with horror is. And mwah. for some reason, it doesn't feel like Shaun of the Dead for me. Everyone compares it to that, but I it doesn't. These movies don't live in the same universe to me. It I doesn't. Don't, I don't know why. It's just weird. It's, like, it's like they're parallel, but in <laughs> different universes. Right. It's, it's a weird. They're not the most natural comparison to me. But, but that, that opening scene for me, I feel like is a good. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you just love, you love that that kind of sequence <laughs> all right coming in at 96 i believe 96 is dun dun <laughs> you're doing that's the music you're actually good at that it actually actually sounds like it to somebody uh, well, who knows that list i know i know when we're done recording this i'm gonna have to find music that's similar to it and so i'm just doing it ahead of time because i can't find it like that's it the listeners that's, a, that's the music that's an edit move 
That's the most glorious out of <laughs> All right, so 2008's Splinter is my scariest movie moment for 96. I, I could have picked probably three or four scenes from this. I really, mm-hmm. I hate the scene where he has to cool himself off. I don't like things like that. I don't like when people have to do that. Um, I, I, you know, the monster design in this movie is amazing, super underrated. The movie deserves a lot more credit because it's authentically scary. Um, it feels like the best. Of, it feels like the best of Wrong Turn mixed with the best of the Mist to me. Right? That's a great way to put it. It's just a hybrid of those two kind of like feelings. But um, the scene I'm picking is when they're sort of barricading themselves in the gas station, and a police officer arrives. And then the monster is lurking above on the roof or wherever, and then it takes the police officer out. And this scene appears in a thousand horror movies, right? Cop Friday, shows up. Friday the 13th, 2009, did this particularly poorly, right? Mm-hmm. The cop shows up and dies two seconds later, and like whatever. Um, this scene, th- this movie executes this scene about as well as I've ever seen it. And on clearly not that big a budget. So it's a super impressive scene. Mm-hmm. It's really scary. The way the monster takes the police officer, I'm scary. Her genuine fear, the way she like she's not holding her gun right after a, after she gets like too nerved out, she's calling for backup, but she's still trying to do her job. She's like, I'm not going to let you guys out of my sight. She's not going to leave. On the clock. They're telling her to leave, and she's like, I'm not going to let you out of my sight. God like that me. kind of dedication to her job is like that's you're automatically on her side, and you know she's also doomed. So it's a terrible place to be. Right. And then I like the swinging pendulum of threat going on because when the police officer shows up, she thinks the guy in there who's the criminal on the run, who's a great actor, she thinks he's the threat. They, they're, she's afraid they think she's a threat, <laughs> but there's a scared of what's above her, which she doesn't know is a threat. Right. So, like, there's all this, like, who's dangerous here? <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> who's on first? like math going on, which is a, which is a really interesting how it plays off. Cause there, at some point, everyone in the scene is pointing a gun at someone else in the scene, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of great. So, and then the monster kill is just bloody glorious. And then it has that great comedy line on the way out where, where he's like, uh, uh the monster, uh, it took half of her. <laughs> it's just, well, just well done. The one, the one thing I noticed watching this scene, uh, and so far coming in at you know ninety six, this is the most handheld scene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got nauseous watching this. I mean, that camera was just yeah, <laughs> like, get, the, get, get your camera operator a blanket, man. He's cold. <laughs> they born identity. That. Yeah, it's a little born identity. <laughs> but, but that's, I mean, that sounds like it's a knock, but it's really not because while watching it, I was thinking to myself, why do I feel so nauseous right. during the scene? And I was like, oh, it's because the camera is. They do like that. They do like a uh, thing from Adam's family. That's the hand, right? Yeah, yeah. They do think vision a lot in this movie where you're at the ground floor level and you're following. Just, the the yeah. So the, 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 the shaky cam I thought was really good. It wasn't like, you know, found footage or anything like that. So it was shot really well. Uh, but I mean, the, the, you know, the, the highlight of the whole moment is her getting <laughs> torn in half. Freaking Mortal Kombat. Looks, looks real. Dude, I, I, when I was watching it, you know what it reminded me of? Um, it reminded me of uh, was well, not to not, not a shock at all. It reminded me of the thing mm-hmm. because whenever something gets dismembered in the thing, it's always so stretch. It's got that stretchy, like it's that cheese pizza. Effect. Yeah, it's that cheese. It's yeah. that Ninja Turtle cheese right. pizza. Right. Event. And, and whenever I see that, like I always, whenever I see like the stretchiness, you know, of, of people getting dismembered in horror movies, I always want to like hear the skin snap. Like, mm-hmm. like I always feel like that would gross me out. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen, but it always it. My mind starts to wonder, like, what's sure. that? 
that's that's got to feel like, and it's fucking gruesome. Is yeah, that, is that the most gruesome death so far? That is definitely the most gruesome death so far. That, that <laughs> next, <laughs> we accelerated on PG thirteen pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we went from the jangly man to, to Officer Duty Lady ripped in half. It was horrible. But uh, but also like you had pointed out when it came up, a one location movie essentially, which I love these. Whether it's uh, the thing or Frozen or like whatever. Anytime you buried. can pull buried, you, it's really well. Like, anytime you can pull something like this off, I think it's really uh, pretty remarkable. So I love it. Yeah, I, it love, helps, I love how it's done. Helps you get a foundation of where you're at, and then makes it a little bit more believable. Yep. What an underrated movie. Transition. <laughs> Transition. <laughs> Coming in at number 95. <laughs> Bravo never did that. I got to be true to Bravo. They always had one mu- They always had one music piece of music in there. It always creeped me out. And they did it during Nosferatu. It was a piano piece. It was like, da-dun, da-dun, da-dun. And whenever yeah, that played, right. it always scared me. They had a couple of those because the, the transition music was a little spooky, too. It was like a little Unsolved Mysteries. Chinese. Yeah. yeah. So, da-dun, 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 number 95. Yes. Uh, Michael Daughtry's. Krampus. I hope I said that right. Yeah. Krampus. Um, you know him from Trick or Treat. He 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 did the fall. He went over to Christmas. And then he went and made kaiju movies. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, screw as, this. as you do. Screw this. He <laughs> I, I he went and he went and was handed a, a sack of money the size of Rhode Island. Watching something like Trick or Treat and how, what I think is like just like a perfect movie. Having a, a follow up. Like I think there's a lot of pressure on that one, and I think Krampus did a more like an above average job at knocking that out. And after Krampus, so came you out, picked the ending as your moment. The ending as the moment. I mean, right. there, I mean, there, there's so many. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, th- I mean, it's a, it's an attraction at Universal. Yeah, Krampus himself, the reveal of him is pretty intimidating. That's intimidating when she's underneath the van, um, the scene in the attic, the fighting the gingerbread, mm-hmm. and then, and all those are scary. That's not scary. Gingerbread. Yeah, those are that's hilarious. more of a comedian thing. Right. But all, all all those scenes are unsettling and 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 kind of weird. Even this, like the snowman scene when they're all up front. Sure. But for me, the scene that like made me like feel kind of queasy was the ending scene when. They think everything's okay. That pull, that last. Yeah, because they're getting men in black. They're yeah, they got men in black. Yep. That was it. Where you think everything is hunky dory, you wake up, Christmas is fine, yeah, everyone's you know it's December, it's December twenty fifth. You got the fire going, music playing. So uh, can I tell you something? I, I got so Mandela affected on this movie because I'm not I'm not the horror comedy fan side of our of our podcast, right? I appreciate it when they're really good, like this one is, and Trick or Treat, or if you, to the extent that's a comedy or whatever, Tucker and Dale. But um, it takes me a minute to get used to like whatever, but. I, for some reason, because I didn't connect with this movie right away, I forgot the cast. So you pull up oh the clip, God. and we're looking at Tony, Tony Collette, Collette, and like whatever, and they're Adam all Scott. acting really unsettled, like like spooked, mm-hmm. like something's going horribly wrong. But the acting was like Oscar level, <laughs> like in this in this hor- this Christmas horror comedy. You're watching Tony Collette give you like the best acting version of wait the world's just about to go horribly awry i'm like wow it was like it was like if, if you could have the actor's emotions on a guitar amp and just slowly turn up the distortion yep that's, that's exactly how that, right that's how i felt and you know what's funny is a lot of movies like that they could either you know end where like the heroes get away and everything's happy sure. or they leave you feeling you know kind of crappy and sad like some movies just go there yeah and and sometimes like when when movies go there like this does you kind of walk away and a few seconds later like oh that was kind of a dark film 
this one, I this felt like an uppercut, like straight to like my gut. Like I remember just feeling like, oh, they're well, there it's forever. Got, it's got that Twilight Zoney kind of feel, where all of a sudden you feel like you don't understand the rules. The stakes were a lot higher than you thought they were, mm-hmm. and now all these people are just doomed. But now you're extrapolating all the other objects in this room you're being shown. You and like, did all, the all these other people go through all this horrible? And like, I forgot how cool. I guess you. I don't know if you would call Krampus's office. <laughs> yeah, layer totally the design of that as well like i forgot until we rewatched it for this how cool that was yeah they like cthulhu'd it he's like a god that lords over you know thousands of prisoners it was it's it's it, it had a little bride frankenstein feel where that where the guy has the people in the domes of glass it's pretty horrifying i just i just love the ending i i'm glad i'm glad it got dark because it was Christmas and you deserve all the good. It's kind of well, a- and the the tradition from from England and a lot, you know, among other places, is there are some really dark like the Christmas stories they they tell in England are dark. Like, They'll like, be scary like, ghost stories. Yeah, that's, like, that. Right. that's that. That's that. You get like dark. You get dark stuff. There's like sorcerers and death and curses and whatnot. So it's not all. You need a lot of shadow with your light. And this does it. This does it. Indeed. All right, that's Krampus. Transition. <laughs> Coming in at 94 is 2017's Super Dark Times, which you have super not seen. I saw the super dark ending. No, I mean, I'm talking to the listeners. Uh, I'm talking to the world. I've yet to come across anyone who's seen this film. So, Well, they're with me. <laughs> they're with you because this is going to come way out of left field for people. Um, this is a, a really dark thriller. Think more like Fincher. Think like Lord of the Flies crossed with Seven is basically what the feel of this movie is. Um, one of the things I like about it is it's that classic accidental kill and then the person who does it gets a taste. It's like the man-eating tiger move where they get a taste <laughs> for human blood. Now they're just a killer. Like, they're on the like, loose. They're the killer. They've decided they like it. Um, I'm choosing the ending as the moment because there's, you know, you're, there's a lot of lead up to what's happening here, but the sequence has some things in it I really like it whenever a director pulls them off in a scene. It's got the Coppola cross-cutting. You know how every time in Godfather when everything's about to go awry, you're cutting to like a religious ceremony and then like gruesome murders? Mm-hmm. This one's cross-cutting, but, but from a kid who's running down the street in his neighborhood to go try to save someone he cares about. And cross-cutting back to the room where these two girls are doomed and they're in there with a sushbath, the killer, and they just don't know it. And he's just toying with them, but maybe not because maybe he's so crazy he doesn't know what he's doing, you have no idea. But that cross-cutting is done really well. And then the confrontation scene is so Hitchcockian, right? Like, it's so, like, the placement... If you go back and watch the scene, if you watch the ending of Super Dark Times, the placement of the characters is fascinating. Like, when they're in the driveway, when they're on a car, when they're on a roof, when they're sneaking through a window, when they're in a hallway. It's just like chess. It's so well done. And then there's a lot of gruesome murdering that happens. The, it's dude, pretty intense what's happening after that. I, I did not expect it to feel the way I, like it felt. Like, we were just talking about Strangers Pray at Night and mm-hmm. how the action like felt real this felt real real <laughs> you're right it had that old texas chainsaw massacre am i watching a document what is this, is this dude like and i i, I want to go back and rewatch it again because like there's movies where like somebody gets stabbed with a sword or a knife mm-hmm. or something like that and it does like you know the character got hurt but like 
it doesn't feel it like it still feels a little fakey. This like, is the saving private Ryan of sword fights. Yeah, and it's a bunch of teenagers <laughs> in, in the suburbs. Right, exactly. There's the 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 sword fight in this was more visceral to me than like Kill Bill. <laughs> yeah, this is like uh, uh, Harakari. <laughs> yeah, Harakari. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, for sure. So that there's a, there's a lot of that intensity. The killer, it, he seems completely astonished that he's killing. Yes. And that's a crazy feel for me when the killer feels not just out of control, but like they're sort of having an out of body experience and like the, their body is a vehicle or something. He, he seems really disassociated and it's a very chilling effect. You can see like two people. Yep. Like in his eyes. It's yep. really, it's really unsettling. Okay. So I have a movie that like, there's only been one other movie that the, vi- like I felt the violence and uh, like the, the flesh tearing and, and like someone getting hurt and, and you feeling kind of hopeless and wondering how they're still, mm-hmm. well, this person didn't survive, but, <laughs> but it, it reminded me of the ending of Milk, where Josh oh, Brolin goes in and he assassinates yes. uh, uh, Harvey, Harvey yeah. Milk. Oh my God. You told me you were going to get me an unexpected. And that's, yeah, because but that's perfect. Because it's like in slow motion. Like I remember at one point, like he holds his hand up to be like, stop. And like he shoots like through his hand. And I remember yeah. thinking like, oh my God, like I, like you could feel like how that yeah, it's not feel. sudden like uncut gems. Like you can, you're, this process is slower. Yeah, and like you're seeing it, and and so like in super dark times when he slices his friend in the back, you're like, oh, that hurts. But then he slices him in the head, and you just see. I remember it's the it's the thickest, goopiest blood you will see in a horror movie. Like it's it's so. It looked like what would actually happen, but what was what was really crazy cool about how they acted it was, you could tell that the kid who swung the sword didn't expect it to go quite that way. And the kid who got hit with the sword didn't expect getting hit in the head full on with a sword blade to feel this way. No. Right. Like he's kind of dazed, which may, I mean, that makes sense, but like, but he's also really aware of how bad it is. Right. It's a kind of terrifying moment. Well, I, I can, I could really relate to the kid with the sword. Cause I accidentally threw a ninja star at my friend Cody's head one time. <laughs> Like we were throwing it up in the ceiling. This I would have expected to get it done. To get it, we were throwing the ceiling to get it caught, and it missed, and it hit like a little beam or something like that, and it came down and it hit him on his head, and he just started bleeding. He just started bleeding, and so then I had to like rush him to the bathroom, and I started like cleaning him up. My mom comes upstairs, she's like, "What happened?" I'm like, "I just hit Cody and the ninja star." She's like, "Get that shit out of my house." So I, I should be laughing. Stars. There's probably like 22 deaths a year by accidental well, ninja star. But that I think, thankfully, I, he made. Maybe it. that's why that scene hit <laughs> home for me because I'm like, I know what it's like. Man, so we have a with a sharp ninja object. Uh, too real, too quick. Yes. Uh, transition. <laughs> All right, coming in, <laughs> subbing in, <laughs> subbing in, subbing in. We Pinch told hitter. you. Yeah, <laughs> something in at 93. We, we, our cutoff was like 2008, yep. I believe. And for some reason, I put Amityville 05 on here. Yeah. I mean, and so I, I hit the I'm not button. sure that we ever really nailed down what our cutoff was going to be. But I think what we realized was if we took it back too far, that it w- we were going to be getting movies like The Ring and uninteresting stuff on here. So we arbitrarily moved it up, but I'm not sure we ever really... But I think 2008 is now official. 2007 and back won't be on this list. All right, so we are... Proceed. I am getting rid of the bathroom scene from Amityville, even though that's a great scene. And, and you were putting in 2002 is my friend Doc. My... <laughs> 1996. What year? <laughs> 
What year was this movie? Uh, okay, so we're doing this one. On, we're doing this one on fly. My friend. Oh, never mind. You, you did never mind. It's it's. I'm 2017. Sure. It was 2017. Okay, okay. 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 Uh, it, it was based off a graphic novel of a guy who was friends with my my friend Dahmer. Um, in fact, uh, Sabrina from the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Let me get my timer going here because I will definitely. Uh, I actually, I actually, it's so weird that you picked this because. I was using Jeffrey Dahmer in the next movie I'm going to be talking about. And it's, this just happened in Is real this time. really? It's really spooky. I have a Jeffrey Dahmer analogy prepared for my next movie. Holy shit. Anyway, that's not counting against your time. Well, if you've watched The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, you know that she had a pretty weak sauce boyfriend, Harvey. Uh, that actor played Jeffrey Dahmer. And I know he's a Disney star. But, dude, and, and honestly, like, he's not... I didn't think he was that great in Sabrina. But as Jeffrey Dahmer, this guy's acting... It's, it's like a different fucking person. Yeah, I can vouch for that. He's the world's most annoying character on Sabrina, and not particularly a good actor somehow. But like, but in, in my in, friend Dahmer, in this he's amazing. So, so the scene, this. the scene I'm gonna go with is when uh, him and his friend are alone in his house, sort of near the the end of the movie, and <clears throat> this scene is quiet, and this scene is because this is based on real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, by, so I know what happens here, even though I haven't seen this movie. Yeah, it's basically so at the end of the film, Matt. Okay, so let me just. You're the audience, okay? Imagine you're with Jeffrey Dahmer. You don't know he's he's no, your friend. You. He's your friend. You know, no, 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 he's your school friend. He goes to the mall. You know, he makes you know really you know inappropriate noises and then drinks. I think he had like something like forty five beers or something like that on the way to the mall. Like it was an obscene amount of alcohol. Anyways, you're with that friend. Can we back up and say forty five beers? It was, dude, it was. I don't know if it was forty five beers, but I think it was like a case of beer. I want to watch this. Now. He, he 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 basically crushes like a shit ton of okay. booze, and he's his friends are like, uh, that's not good. Anyways, at the end of the film, him and his friend are alone in his house, and there's just this quiet. I think I know what's happening. I think he knows. I know, and I know that he knows that I know yeah. that I need to get the fuck out of here. And there's no there's no blood. There's nothing like that. It is just a scene where a guy makes the right. It's the scariest scene where the person makes the right decision. Interesting. To leave. Right. So it's like it's like watching one of those nature documentaries where something is heading towards the crocodile or the spider, and you're like, no, I don't want to sit. Like, no, you gotta use your sixth mm-hmm. sense. Like, whatever. And then it does. And then it escapes. This is that scene, and but with humans. Yeah, and it also work. It also works because, like, as the audience, we all know who Jeffrey Dahmer is. Well, it also works because Jeffrey Dahmer is terrifying, right? Yes, yes, he's he's very he's very terrifying. But I, I I think it's I think I wanted to have. I'm actually really glad that we had a sub Amityville Horror because I think it's really gnarly to have a scene where like nothing horrible happens to the person because they make the right choice. Right. It's interesting that you did the photo negative of what a typical scene like that would be. I mean, we're just talking about Splinter higher up in the list. And you're like, oh, the highlight of the scene is like the bloody attack and the, and the gore and the way. And in this scene, you're like, the highlight of the scene is what you happened in your imagination. Mm-hmm. Like what was going to happen that got averted. Right. When a movie can get that across effectively, that's I mean, let's be honest. That's what Blair Witch does, right? Like mm-hmm. at the end when he's facing the wall, you're not seeing what's what happened to him to get him to that state or what's about to happen to anybody. You don't, it's all implied, which is what this scene is. And this scene, oh, I, I, I just, I remember like, I think gripping the theater seat at the Limley <laughs> <laughs> with their amazing popcorn. <laughs> that you miss. All right. Well, that was a, that was a, that was a good flyby. Well, I'm actually really glad that made an appearance due to what's about to happen. I really like that. I'm glad Amy get the hell out of here, Amy Vohor. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds in your eight pack. Ryan Reynolds lost to Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer crushed a twenty four pack and Ryan Reynolds only has an eight pack. He loses. That's right, it's the battle of the packs. 
All right, coming in at number 92 on the list is 2018's Halloween. First of all, the spirit of this list is the whole Halloween season. So I I love this movie. I I recognize that it's not near the first. It's probably not even as good as the second, ultimately. But um, I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of what this movie did that seemed impossible for this franchise to pull off. Right, even H2O, which gave a lot of people hope, or Producers Cut of Six, which I I like a lot, um, they just never gave you the hope that a movie could be as sure-footed in this franchise universe as this movie turned out to be. There's a lot of great sequences, a lot of great characters, um, but the trick-or-treat murder sequence mm. in this movie is what I wanted for this from this franchise if they weren't going to go be brave and just do the Halloween three all three all the way through. Right. If it was going to be this, if it was going to be in the Michael Myers universe, that sequence is what I wanted. Right. Because it's, it, it's got every piece of, it's got the atmosphere. It's got the music. It's got the, the sort of griminess, the POV, but not POV because you can't totally rip that off anymore. Right. It's got the funny part where I actually love how the, the scene with the clip I watched started where Michael's just walking into the scene where they run into two kids and the one kid is like, what the, <laughs> like, it's just like this really quick, like what the, and then it gets so intense so fast where he goes and Michael just veers off and head straight for that shed. And now you're just tracking. Where is he going? Going next. And he picks up this dirty hammer. And you just know it's going to be bad. Right. And it's interesting because it has the Jason lives like Jason's a threat to kids thing. But even worse here because he hovers over a crib for a second. And then um, he discards the hammer and trades it for a knife. But the blocking of how that happens in the scene is really weird. Because... Because he picks up the hammer, he has holding the hammer, he walks in through the kitchen past the knife, which he clearly sees, hammers the woman to death, drops the knife, and then picks up, drops the hammer and then picks up the knife. You would have thought he would have been like, oh, I don't need this hammer. I look at this knife. The classic. Right here. I'm going to go with the classic. But he uses the hammer first, right? And then I'm wondering, like, he knew he was going back outside, so did he trade for a clean, unblood weapon? Because <laughs> he was so he wasn't walking out with like brain chunks hanging from, <laughs> from like whatever. Like, is he capable of that level of whatever, or he just, or am I just misreading how his block? I don't know. There was this little interesting moment that gave the scene flavor, mm-hmm. and then there's the sneak attack behind through the window, oh, yeah. like thing to cap it off, which is just it's got that perfect Halloween music stinger, like the perfect placed one when he's revealed. Oh, it's. It's got the it's silkiest. actually scary, and it's got the silkiest camera movements. It's got amazing camera music movements. Great. It is. It, it is like the most style in part of like the whole movie. Like yeah, that, and I actually I was gonna go with the sensor light scene because I thought that, you were. That yeah. was really really terrifying scene too. But when I went back and looked at it, I just couldn't give a flying fuck about that character. So right. I, I I just couldn't rank it as scary. I cared what was happening to these poor random people who were just trying to make sandwiches and do curls in their hair and Mm -hmm. try to like watch the local news and they were getting massacred. And then there's one doofus who was like hitting on a girl in the worst way possible. He totally deserved to get massacred. So like, (laughs) I didn't care. Like it was really stylish how they executed it. You also, you also get the, uh, the Halloween three Easter egg with the kids wearing the silver shamrock mask. So it's like, it's like the perfect. Oh, and also like, just like, it feels like trick or treat night. Right. And that's the thing is, that's the thing I'll fight for about this movie. Michael Myers, that last, shot of him in that trap with the flames that he looks 
terrifying even when he's trapped. Like, that's what I want Michael Myers. I want Michael Myers to be terrifying no matter what. No matter he's wounded, no matter he's trapped, no matter he's under a van. Like, he's still got to be terrifying. And that scene, he was, like, trapped and engulfed in flames and still terrifying. And the bathroom teeth drop attack scene. Like, come on. This is... It did grow on me. I remember, like, leaving the theater and being like, ah, I mean, it's a Halloween movie, you know? <laughs> but... But like reliving like those scenes, I'm like, oh no shit! Like, it's, it's got <laughs> they some, did some really it's, good it's stuff got, in there. It's got some yep. great shit in there. No, I, I I like it. And luckily, you know, because people didn't want to wear masks, we have to wait till another goddamn year to see <laughs> what happens. You losers! Damn it! Put your masks on. <laughs> hey, put your mask. Michael Spe- did. Speaking of, Michael did. Speaking of, Michael knows how to do. That. Michael knows how to do. It. Be like Mike. Be like Mike. <laughs> there we go. Be like Mike. Put your fucking mask on, people. All right. All right. Coming in at ninety-one. Our, our only gothic romance with Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. Yes. Which a lot of people did not like. And I remember myself being like, it's not really a horror movie. And then I, during an interview, he was like, it's gothic horror. Or it's a gothic romance. And I was like, oh, no, I like the movie. Right. You're right. I, yeah. A lot of expectations are a big thing. Yeah. But, but even though it is a gothic romance, the scene I'm going to go with for the scariest scene is in the beginning of the film. Uh, where you see the girl's mother comes to visit her because that is the scariest. <laughs> it is shot so creepy. You know what? Though? This is why that op- that shot, that scene right there is why Disney needs to just give him a blank check and, and just write Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Just go do it. Do the Haunted Mansion right because that scene gave me a glimpse of like what that motherfucker could do. I mean, it, it's it's crazy at this point that Guillermo has basically become the Spielberg of horror. Like he... He mm-hmm. is so good at this. There are so many things synthesized into that visual that he created in the hallway with the ghost. I mean, you're looking at like oh, Vincent just... Price, Corman, Edgar Allan Poe. Like he's got so much of that in his head, but he's also original. So it's it's original and echoey with like the great past of horror. It's it it you just got to be grateful that you're getting these visuals out of this genius. If you imagine and and so I'll I'll, I'll go into some detail about, about the scene, but just this movie, like if you if you could imagine this movie as a book with pages and a binding to it. Absolutely. You can imagine what that fucking book would look like. Absolutely. It's black with like some little like dark red trim and yep. little gold pages. Like yep. it's it's so good. Um, so the, the beginning of the scene, we're we're, we're learning why uh, our girl is gonna have some nightmares with her mom. She's dead. Closed casket, so you can't see your face. And then it cuts to her sleep the next night. Oh, and she makes a big thing about how there's no hugs goodbye, <laughs> which is like oh, if you didn't get the hug, yeah. take a rain check. <laughs> well, it was creepy. Given that we're recording this, you know, during the still during the pandemic time, because that was a very pandemic feeling scene. Yeah, people, it was like close casted. We didn't get to say goodbye. We didn't get to get near to each other. We didn't like. I was like, wait, what they the did hell? today. They'd be FaceTime with mom. <laughs> yeah, it was like, <laughs> and everything was black and diseased. Look, I was like, wait, what the hell? Crimson Peak was was uh, it was on a telepathy vibe. But also just the design of like the monsters in this too. Like like it felt like. It felt like an updated version of, um, like the Mask of Red Death from like the Phantom of the Opera, but like yeah. all, but like like all painted black and like really, uh, was it woman in black mm-hmm. type ghost creepiness? But like that Victorian. But classier than that, it felt like if Mike Flanagan just decided to, to just confront us in Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Just decide like I'm gonna take everything I've been hiding in the backgrounds of the shadows and throw it at you all at once. Is what that looked like in the like. beginning of the movie, and yeah. you're gonna get those old timey transitions. <laughs> 
which yeah, I remember yeah, Alex just... laughing. She's like, what is that? And I was like, it's like the WB transition. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, I, I love the design of it. I think it's a great way to scare, uh, to, to start the movie off with a nice little scare. Uh, there was other, I mean, there's like four other like prominent scary ghost things in there, sure. but th- that one I think shook me the most. And then I was like, oh, okay, I, I know what I'm in for. Well, and that, that was the classic also like flip where, where, so it, it's like that Dracula's introduction where he's, you know, the carriage shows up and the carriage is supposed to be the thing that's, you know, taking your destination, but is Dracula also driving the carriage? Mm-hmm. Like, because this this figure appeared. Beware, I remember when I first the, when this figure appeared, I was like, "This figure must be the threat." But the figure's giving her helpful advice. Mm-hmm. So you had something that looked really dangerous, and all of a sudden it was on her side, and you're like, "But like, I don't want you on my side." I don't want you on my side. Right? I like that. Really... I like that kind of trickery. No, it's good stuff. He don't, he always does a lot of stuff like that, where like the monsters are like guiding you, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, like it's the Clyburger Nightbreed. Like the monsters are sort of a family. Also, mm-hmm. the colors in this. Are amazing, and what's funny is, is that rewatching this for the thing, it, I it's weird. They're, Disney has a certain type of green that they've engineered, so you see it less. <laughs> you know what? Blah, any fucking Disney fans, like, yeah, it has a green. Guillermo del Toro has his own green, <laughs> and, and, and when you true. watch it and she's sleeping, like there, there's like a, he does. He yeah. shot. I mean, he shot a whole movie in it, Shape of Water Vision. Where... Yeah, you, in that scene, <laughs> well, rewatch that scene, and you'll see Shape of Water, Shape of Water green. Yep. Guillermo del Toro has a he's has a color. A, he's got a Pantone. That is. <laughs> oh, how perfect is that? All right. Well, that's our that's the top ten. That's the yeah. That's the well. Or not the top ten. The, that's the, the bottom first ten. The but, bottom ten. Right, right. The bottom ten. That's the first ten of the journey down to number one. <laughs> you guys, this list gets better. In fact, I do have a note here. I, I wanted to make here uh, because we subbed uh, Amityville Horror for my friend Dahmer. Is that a surprise? Pacific Heights. That is. A, <laughs> Did we just did we just, manifest? We just manifested Pacific Heights into the into the. It's amazing. That's our that's that's, that's a surprise Pacific that's, Heights that's, bit. That's what that's what happened, and it happened high on the list, which is where it belongs. Oh, you can't you can't I mean, teach you that. Can't train you can't teach that. Okay, well, let us know what you thought of of the beginning of the not Bravo Hollowickly top scariest horror movie moments. Top 100 scariest horror movie moments from apparently 2008 to now. Yes, let us know with the pithily titled. (laughs) I know I'm going to title it. Not Bravo! (laughs) Exclamation point. Halloween's top 100 scariest horror movie moments. That's pretty amazing. That's that's the title. And do the music. You're like... You're like beatboxing this. Oh yeah, it has to end with the (laughs) (laughs) coming up next. That's that's exactly. I can I can see it in my mind. I wonder if I I wonder I don't know what I I don't know what's next on our list, but I would tease it coming up next. Slimy eyes and stairwells. (laughs) That's probably coming next. That's probably what's coming up next. I love I love that. That's exactly the kind of thing that made me excited about this. I can't wait to ruin my voice from this. This is (laughs) this is great. All right. Well, until next time, watch a shit ton of scary horror movies and we'll see you with the next 10. Bye. Bye.